Welcome to the final episode of Series 1 of Emotipod, podcasts talking with artists about the emotional benefits of what they do for them and for all of us. I'm Frances Butt. And yes, there will be a Series 2, so if you're enjoying Emotipod, this isn't the end. But for this special episode, I thought it only fitting to talk to the dear friend without whom this podcast would never have started. She is Sue Barclay, a fellow Alexander Technique teacher we trained together, but also a terrific artist and practitioner of DEI, which stands for Dynamic Emotional Integration. And we might touch on this in our chat. It was Sue who introduced me to the writings of social researcher, educator and author Carla McLaren, whose book, The Language of Emotions, What Your Feelings Are Trying to Tell You, is a total game changer for the way we look at and feel about our feelings. And it was Carla's emphasis on the importance of artistic expression for empathy and emotional health that inspired this whole podcast. Sue is a lovely, gentle and empathic person, and her art has always had emotional impact for me. But she's taken her painting to new places these past couple of years by creating art rituals, and I wanted to ask her more about this. Not that we should have needed an excuse, but it was a great opportunity to see Sue in person too. So up to Glasgow, Bill and I went, and this conversation was recorded in her wonderful art studio at her home there where you may hear children playing in the nearby school. First of all, thank you. Thank you for letting me come and talk to you about this subject because I've been dying to talk to you. And this was the conversation I really first thought of having when I thought of doing this podcast because you studied with Carla. I studied a little bit with Carla. Mm -hmm. And Carla talks about how art being where we process our emotions, which is like... Mm. But after you trained with Carla, you went into a series of art rituals that I've been dying to talk to you about because Mm. as using them as emotion rituals. Mm. So can you... Well, let's go back to the beginning, actually. When you first started painting, when did you start painting? At school. Okay. And and did you have a feeling that this was your this was a language you could speak well or you, this was your thing yes I, um, I was at boarding school I think I was pretty miserable ah and and, and the art room was the place where I went to oh, where I just went <laughs> yeah where I just went somewhere to go yeah and and it was something I could do yeah naturally yeah I found it easy um and I never really thought about doing anything else apart from going to art school. Okay. So yeah. then there was, was there part of you that was already aware of the benefit? Did you have sort of a sense of emotion with regard to the marks you're making back then? Or did you just, did you feel better for doing art? And what was, you know? Yeah, I think I, I felt better for doing it. Mm. I mean, I don't think I, I was very, very emotionally unaware. You were? Yeah. Okay. My, my family were very emotionally unaware. Sorry, a lot on. of suppressed emotion, just normal, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was no language. Yeah. 
for how I was feeling from yeah. a young age. I had strong emotions. Right. And art was a kind of release in a way. Mm. So would you express feelings with art that you made? Did you do angry pictures or sad pictures or or just escaping into something beautiful? Was it more that? Both. Right. Actually, both. Yes. But I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Does that make sense? But I'm sure it was lovely. <laughs> no, notwithstanding. <laughs> Some of it was quite scary, I think. Oh, was Some it really? It was lovely. Scary work. Okay. I mean, there is a thing in that, isn't it? The art world is like part of, yeah, people who don't speak emotion, but they depict powerful yeah. or strong things that evoke strong emotion yeah. or repulsion or whatever it might yeah. be. It's, a, it's sort of an, it is an unspoken language. Yeah. So before you started work with Carla, what would you have said the benefits of painting were for you? It was a, a way of expressing things I, I couldn't put into words. Hmm. And then, oh, how did you come across? I've, I've always meant, meant to ask you because you, you introduced me to Carla McLaren's work yeah. of, of emotional integration. Um, but how did you come across it? I was at friend's house. Oh, here we go. This is <laughs> how it happens. <laughs> her, on her bookshelf was a book, Carla's first book, um, The Language of Emotions, What Your Emotions Are Trying to Tell You. <laughs> yep. And I'd been asking myself what emotions were, why we have them, and why they cause me so much trouble. <laughs> so... <laughs> That, that book really is a game changer. It's, it's a total shift and reframing of the way that we, we look at our it emotions. It is, because we have, yeah, we've been brought up to or programmed to see them as just troublesome things. Yeah, don't be angry, don't be sad, don't yeah. be scared. Yeah, reason your way out of things. Reason your way. Mm. Yeah, use your intellect, rely on your intellect, yeah. not your emotional intelligence. Logical captain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, maybe for some people who are very logical people, yeah. that works, but not for, <laughs> not you. Not for not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Had you looked into emotional intelligence before that? Yes. A woman called Lucia Capaccioni right. wrote a series of brilliant books. She was an art artist who became an art therapist. Mm. And she wrote Healing the Inner Child, uh, healing your emotions through art, using the non-dominant hand, oh. um, which I, I use a lot. Oh, okay. Actually, and I'd worked with her books for, for years. And wow. actually, before I did my Alexander training, I was going to, I did actually get a place to do art therapy, but it was going to be part-time. And it wasn't, they didn't work with her work. It was much more clinical, mm. whereas I realized I didn't want to work in a hospital environment particularly right more interested in just people processing emotions yeah but I used her work myself a lot just to help me dialogue with myself yeah so tell me about using the non-dominant hand what happens <laughs> well what happens it it's wonderful actually oh. and I used it when I was doing the I did a, a series of uh, courses online during lockdown yeah. with people working through Carla's workbook using the non-dominant hand to dialogue directly with our emotions ourselves and, and uncover so that when we use a non-dominant hand 
it seems to be wired up differently to the brain. Right. So I'm not going to go into that because I don't understand it. Okay. But what hap- it, it's, um, it's less censored and it tends to go a bit under the radar of our conscious thought process mm. to really discover what's really going on. So you can dialogue with your body, you can dialogue with your emotions, you can dialogue with things that... Um, difficulties, you can dialogue with illnesses, you can dialogue and it's it's amazing. So you pick an area of focus yeah. to, to go into and, and get draw, going. draw with it, draw with a non-dominant hand and uh, sometimes you can use the dominant hand to ask questions and answer with a non-dominant wow. hand. Wow. So I've done that a lot throughout my life just as a kind of, um, again, and a kind of way of Unbottling, do you know? Just, How interesting! Just, just getting I have to give that. Well, I've never done it. I've never done I it. I was never... thinking I'll have to have a go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm scared now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's never scary. But, well, I mean, sometimes my non-dominant hand will really tell me what's going on in in no uncertain terms. Wow. Yeah. Wow. If, if there's a part of if if I'm not aware that I'm angry, so this or, is um, stuff, painting or. Writing, drawing, drawing. It's, right. it's for me. It's any kind of mark making, including drawing, writing, then, you, then you'll including words. Show something to yourself. Yeah, it okay. just appears. Wow. And it's 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 best to do it when I'm working with people. I don't give them longer than a minute or half a minute to okay. draw. Well, what does fear look like to you? Yeah. Okay. And then, and everybody sees it differently of course Mm -hmm. completely differently it's really great in a group because we all understand that we don't relate to our emotions the same way yeah but also our beliefs and ideas that we grew up with about our emotions making them good or bad yeah that all comes out and that's all seen and then you we can dialogue okay yeah you know what to go to work on i mean i don't i don't think that reframing this reframing of our emotions Carla talks about a grand unified theory of emotions and it's wonderful you know like it sounds great but putting that into practical kind of oh yeah application in our life oh yeah these 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 programs are a whole different ballgame they are deeply deeply wired yeah we are wired pretty strongly once we get yeah so for instance it seems like since I've done her work, I go through times when, you know, certain emotional come forward. So going back to your question that you asked me about the art, there was a lot of grief. I felt a lot of grief right. throughout the pandemic. I did some grief rituals with Carla and, and then I decided I would make a series of works just about going into this deep. So you were doing artwork, art, conscious. grief, art rituals, art, grief rituals. It, it felt like I was in some kind of ritual doing that particular amazing work. Yeah, yeah. And then I feel like I've worked with grief, right? So, so you, d- you did get sort of work through and then come have a sense of coming through well, and out the other side. like I'm, I'm better acquainted, I would say, right. with grief. Yeah. Rather than, Carla sometimes jokes that people come to her work thinking that if they do it well enough <laughs> and hard enough and enough... Then they won't have to feel those emotions I know, anymore. I you know, know. And I, I know think, this is such that yeah, yeah, this is a huge thing. I do want to talk yeah. about that. We, yeah, it's like when people talk about healing from trauma or healing yeah. trauma. I, I have a bit of a problem with this. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's yeah. like you've 
or, or healing from grief. It's like you get over losing someone, yeah. got over it now. No, it doesn't work yeah. like that, it does it? That's like so that. dishonoring to it the is. to the loss. Yeah. Or to the to the trauma, in fact, yeah. that you just, you just sort of write it off now. Yeah. It doesn't really no. end no. like that. No, I don't think so. So that's a relief to know. Yeah. I mean, because if you're striving to or straining to get past it so that you don't have to feel that ever again. No. You're just going to be so much more miserable, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And but that's it, lovely what you say yeah. about having a different relationship with it and, and yeah, being we, more used to. I think for me the word honour is very useful. Yeah. It's like grief is part of life for me in a way. Well, it is, Because isn't it? It is. everything is transient, so we're always... We're losing things, all, yeah, yeah, you know, and, yeah. And it's part of it's part of. No one can avoid it, but our culture has done its best to avoid it. Mm. To think, you know, it's not part of life. The same does, with depression. Yeah. And my father um, suffered a lot from depression, and my grandfather. So it's kind of taboo almost for me. You know, I think I've avoided it my whole life, but I think it's probably been there. Okay. <laughs> You know, and I think that's the danger that when we don't have a language and we and we're valencing our emotions, so we're making them good or we're making we reject. them bad. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're often they'll be driving a lot of our behaviors <laughs> right. and stuff. You know, the so. very thing you're trying to avoid will yeah. be in the driving seat. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Brilliant way of putting it. There you go. Yeah, so, but you went through this phase, I mean, we, you were posting on Instagram quite frequently these beautiful um, series that you were doing. You were very prolific for a while, so it seemed quite yeah. an intense period of productivity that you were, <laughs> were going through using all kinds of you similar shapes, similar sizes, similar, yeah. but that they're going through colour ranges that were exquisite and very broad. So what was going on with these colour changes as you were shifting with your these sort of moon and squares and this, these shapes you were doing? Well, I just chose the, the colours that for me sort of... Well, do you know what? It's so intuitive, isn't it? I, I, I think so at the end... To, trying to make you give a end. language to this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah, Sorry. Just, I, just, I just like them. <laughs> um, but they felt... Yeah, I... I yeah, maybe it, maybe you can't in some ways make a, a language about that. I think what was interesting was I thought there's part of me that always thinks I should be positive and happy and, <laughs> and all that, and it's still there, yep. you know. We sometimes call it like Super Sue, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, she, she's always thinking that she's got to save the world and be happy and all that, and, and really. So I think I tried to come out of the, the dark blues and greens where I really needed to be. And the other, and I didn't really, it was me thinking I should rather than, so those, those pieces I didn't think worked so well. The, the bright ones, the, yeah. the, the, the lighter, yeah. the yellows and yeah. the oranges, the sunny things. Yeah. yeah, I didn't quite get there. I think I really needed so to just be in the, in the darkness. In the deep, in the deep. And then my daughter made this film about it, which... I'll show you, which was brilliant, using the images and animating them, putting a soundtrack. Oh, I'd love to see that. Oh, wow. A soundtrack to them. Wow. And that really, 
that really nailed it for me. That, that completed it. And she called it what I kind of wanted to call a series, but didn't think it was quite right. Um, she called it Call to Ritual. Yeah. Oh, perfect. And it was, it was a kind of grief ritual. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, I'm thinking there's art making, like with non-dominant hand. It's a kind of creative sort of form of expression, but it's not really for other people. It's just for me. And then there's myself as an artist who, who sells work. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of asking myself, well, what's what? Do you need to know where the line is drawn somehow? Or, Well, sometimes it's very clear because I'm just scribbling in my book <laughs> and writing my dialogues. And yeah. There's no way I want anyone else to see that apart <laughs> from me. Um, but... But you do work with other people in a therapeutic way. So you, you work with people using art. So they're using their non-dominant hand, for example. Yeah. And yeah. so you've done dynamic emotional integration training, mm-hmm. full training. And, but you work with your art or you work with art with other people. You bring your specialism to that process yeah. with other people. I mean, I found that it gets people so much quicker into their own process, mm. especially on Zoom during lockdown. Right. You know, people could just be drawing away in the group, share the drawings and be very much in their own process and doing it rather than just listening. Do you think there was a bit of um, an advantage to that Zoom setting where you're in your own home? You don't, yeah. You're not in a group with people looking around at what you're doing. Uh, yeah. So that there was the safety there about working boundaries. through your own process. Yeah, boundaries. boundaries. Don't we love you them? Don't, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I never Anger. Knew, never knew they existed. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's so interesting because we, you know, we talked about already about this idea about wanting closure. <laughs> yeah. To put the lid on this ritual process and so that we've gone, we don't need to look at it anymore or do it anymore, revisit anymore or be there anymore. And, mm-hmm. and it being such a fallacy. Um, but it's we are kind of wired to want that well, solution orientated yeah. thing. I mean, it's we? interesting the because in ritual, when we actually do a ritual, it's really important that we close the ritual. Sure. Okay. So this is so there are different things. That's a different thing. But in our life, that doesn't mean that we don't do more ritual. No, it doesn't mean <laughs> yes. yes. Many things in life are rituals. That was just one. Oh yeah, every day. Yeah, every meal day times rituals. exactly. Washing routines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, oh, amazing. I was going to ask you if you could give a basic outline of, of key points to understand with regard to emotions. We I and mean, we talk about positive and negative emotions everywhere still. Yeah, there's talk of positive and negative emotion. And things can be positive or negative according to situations or whatever. But in terms of emotions, mm. yeah. you've done the full training. I'm going to lay this one on you. <laughs> okay. About, yeah, the positive negative thing with regard to emotions. I mean, for me, the biggest thing, the most fundamental thing, and I think that's where art is brilliant for addressing it, is what if there are no positive or negative emotions? What if every emotion we have is just part of our cognition, the way that we sense the world and the way we understand things, and it has important information yeah. for us? For me, that is a big game changer. Absolutely. Me too. 
Yeah, me too. They yeah. all have a job to do and they all are magnificent. Magnificent? Magnificent. Magnificent. <laughs> Carla when talks they do about them job. being genius. Yeah, that's you know, a lovely word. The amount me. of information that they have for us, which often we don't get. So the special thing that Carla did was to anthropomorphize them, really, to talk mm. about the things they are doing for us as though and using yeah. their intelligence. Yeah. They are telling you <laughs> what you need. Yeah. So um, then I suppose after that, then we have to be able to name them and identify them. Right. Good <laughs> <See>? luck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they don't come in ones, are No, they, they don't come in ones and realise, yeah, that they often come in that we're feeling a lot of different emotions at the same time. Yeah. I mean, in a way, that's why I was so comfortable making art but there's a thing that can happen to artists is they can be happy making their art while their lives <laughs> are going to pot because it's the they, classic they, they, picture yeah. of an artist yeah. really isn't it beautiful things terrible suffering yeah yeah and i think that part of that is artists are often uh, have strong emotions that need expression mm. and art's a beautiful way to do that mm. but then if we don't have a language outside of making art and we think that things we shouldn't feel things and there's all this idea of the artist being the yeah the suffering artist then it can be troublesome definitely. yeah that's yeah if it's if it's um made having, an obligation yeah so having a language <laughs> yeah and working with i mean i never understood i was brought up to to not really be allowed to feel anger you know and, and a, lot, a lot of women weren't just yeah. the way that a lot nice of men, girls don't yeah and men don't really shouldn't be sad no do you know you don't see many no. men crying anger is manly yeah. sadness is not yeah so a man when they're very sad might be angry and a woman when they're very angry might just burst into tears <laughs> do you yeah. see yeah so learning to identify my anger instead of actually going straight to panic when I had a lot of emotions, I think. So. To accept it and, and honour it. Yeah, so once to, yeah. I got out, out from under the panic, yeah. I yeah. realised that words like, you know, impatient or uneasy or a bit agitated, ah, that's my anger coming forward. Mm. Now, that's really interesting because then I can, you know, ask myself what's going on and, you know, is it a kind of boundary issue? Do I need to do something? Or at least know that I have the choice mm, mm. rather than just, Sue, you shouldn't be impatient and you should just <laughs> relax here and, you know, be nice, be nice, <laughs> yeah. be nice and listen to this person for two hours, even if you've got loads of things to do because you're such a nice person. And underneath, I'd be like angry and mm. people can see when you're yeah. angry, you know, but you, you don't necessarily think they can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think being anti-emotion trained and not being able to identify my emotions is, is a bit like trying to drive an airplane with no controls or something. <laughs> you know, it's like red lights are flashing here and there, and you're just going like, "Wee, no, it's fine." <laughs> Don't know how to land. So it's a it's a kind of um, yeah, <laughs> not not good. <laughs> Um, what are you up to at the moment? And oh, and I didn't ask you about the bangles. Your beautiful bangles. How did you hit upon bangles? Just, just as by, another ritual, just by chance, because I was tired. 
I still wanted to make work so I could sit down. And mm. I had a wooden bangle in the studio because I had this idea I was going to paint them. But I tried painting one and I just didn't, it wasn't doing much. And then I thought, oh, I could stick a bit of my collage paper on the bangle. And it just looks so much more interesting. Mm. So that's that's how Took I did off. it. And then I quite liked the idea. I was thinking about the world. I was thinking about the pandemic. And I was thinking about people who don't have houses with walls and how you could make artwork that people could just wear or put in their pocket. So lovely. Do you know? And also, just, they're circles, aren't they? So they don't, yeah. they have this non-ending yeah. surface. Yeah. And I'm not really a jewellery person, but I quite like it. They are got, beautiful. Bangkok's quite a nice thing. Go, get, get onto Instagram and have a look, people. <laughs> and where are you are you still doing bangles or have you moved on to other things I'm doing I'm working on canvas at the moment so. mm. oh I'm in your studio this is a beautiful huge gorgeous space well right. so you've got a, got a canvas over there on the yeah. table which is very beautiful again deep dark colours which are absolutely my cup of tea and it's funny my love of these exact deep colours the deep reds, the deep purples, the deep teals that, you know, um, from my mum, absolutely oh. through my mum. And I, I access my late mum through my love of this. You know, I'm just with her all the time when I when I go, ooh, <laughs> when I see right. these rich, dark colours, I'm, you know, channeling me mum. <laughs> yeah, colour is, is powerful. It's a relation. It? It's a relationship with somebody, isn't it? This connection with yeah. identity or something. Yeah, it's amazing. And, um, yes, new planned projects you're excited about or might be. Or do you, when you start, you just start work and see what It sounds like that's what you did with your bangles. You just start work and see what happens and think that's not working and then tweak it. And, mm. Or do you have an idea that you're going to try set out and do a project? Sometimes I like to do a project. Yeah. I'm not quite sure at the moment what's next. Have you been doing it? Because you used to do figurative work. You used to do... Yeah. Do you think yeah, I might get back, back to more doing to people. some landscape. Oh, okay. I quite like to look at logs. Mm. Again, Again it's water, still deep water. Still deep water. Deep water. I was brought up around Lachland. Beautiful around there. Yeah, I've never painted it. <laughs> but whether I'll ever get to it, I'm not sure, because I've been thinking about it for a few years. I bet you do. Yeah. I bet you do. Thank you, Sue. This has been lovely. Thank you, Francis. So nice to have you in Glasgow. <laughs> As Sue rightly points out, everyone sees emotions and experiences emotions quite differently. So learning to understand how your own feelings work and, yes, dialogue with them, might be useful at certain points in life when it may prove hard to access what's going on under the surface. We like solutions to everything, don't we? Sometimes maybe a little too desperately, even when no solution is either needed or in any case there to be had. There are wounds that we carry that will never go away. But listening to Sue, it was good to hear the clear distinction between closing a ritual, which is important, and closure on something like grief or a traumatic experience, which just isn't a thing at all. Striving to achieve a total closure on those things 
isn't going to be helpful. Though rituals can maybe help us move our relationship with them onto slightly softer ground. So maybe, even for the most buttoned up and stiff upper lipped, art, rituals, and indeed art rituals, are genius ways of accessing and connecting with and coming to terms with painful feelings, rather than trying not to have them or to panic about having them. Any way we can find of coming to terms with having feelings like anger or sadness or fear that helps reduce some resistance and inner conflict and increases self-acceptance must be a good thing. Many people have been helped by knowing more about what feelings are for, all of them, because they're all doing a job. If you're interested in learning more about all of your wonderful emotions, and yes, they really are all wonderful, there are so many books on emotional intelligence, it can be hard to know where to start. For a lovely, accessible read, I do recommend The Language of Emotions by Carla McLaren. And if you're interested specifically in the area of art with relation to emotional healing, Sue tells me that all Lucia Capacchione's books are great, but a good first call there would be Living with Feeling. I'll put the links for those books, as well as Sue's pages and the YouTube of Sue's daughter Gabby's beautiful film, Call to Ritual, in the text for this podcast. And well, that's it for Series 1 of Emotipod, Arts and Emotions. It's certainly been a journey. And if you've been following, I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed making them. If you know anyone who you think might enjoy the series, please do still feel free to share it with them on any platform. Just tell them to search Emotipod. There are 37 episodes to choose from now, so hopefully there's something for anyone with an interest in the arts. And now... Here's a little news about Series 2 to whet your appetite. We've been looking so far at the many wonderful benefits of the arts for emotional health, but after the first few episodes, I started wondering whether we should be talking about the difficult sides of making art, the emotional blocks and obstacles that can sometimes make creativity a real struggle. I did some market research, i.e. I asked a few friends, And every one of them said, oh, I'd be interested in that. So I started a list of obstacles, which got quite long quite quickly, and they were just begging to be discussed. So I'm off for a little break now, and then I'll get to work on Emotipod Series 2, When Being Creative Hurts. And these will start appearing in September 2022. So until then, thank you so much for listening and enjoy keeping all your senses open and alive to whatever art makes your life better.